Well, we're in a series called uh, Not a Fan, and uh, we're in the second week of this Not a Fan series, and our focus this morning is uh, on the invitation of Christ to come to Him. I, I know that our home groups are enjoying the study as well as they're coordinating the, the thoughts that we are hearing here on Sunday morning with uh, what's happening in the video and so on during the week. And I know for ourselves, last week was just an awesome time of uh, hearing what God was saying through the video <clears throat> and the discussion that followed. Uh, our Lord issued a number of invitations in his short span of ministry. Let me just remind you of a couple of them. Mark chapter 1, verse 16. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. John chapter 1, verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come, follow me. And then it says that Philip went to Nathanael and told him. And then Matthew chapter 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. And of course, we all love the invitation that Jesus gave to Zacchaeus. You know, the short little man who climbed up into a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Come, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. I think it's Luke chapter 19. And Jesus invited himself to the home of Zacchaeus and spent some time with him. And by the time Jesus left, this man's life was forever changed. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, the passage that we looked at last week, Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And that too is an invitation for us to follow him. So let's think this morning about this open invitation from Jesus. First of all, it's an incredibly broad invitation. When making the invitation to potential followers, Jesus invites anyone. Isn't that amazing? If anyone would come after me, that's inclusive. Anyone. I expect the people who heard Jesus speak really believed him with regard to his very broad invitation. Anyone can come and follow me. Uh, perhaps to understand something about the first century teachers, this was not unique for Jesus to have a band of 12 followers and travel from one part of the country to another, mentoring and teaching these disciples. Now this would have been rather common, but with a twist. Jesus was sometimes called a rabbi because this is very similar to the teaching ministry of any rabbi in Israel at that time. Rabbis had a group of Talmids. The word Talmid translates to disciple or student. So essentially, every rabbi had a class of students. 
However, for the typical Israeli rabbi, this was an incredibly exclusive group of students. There might have been an open invitation to join the group, uh, but the application process was very taxing, very challenging. It would be like trying to get into an elite university in Canada or the United States. You might have an invitation to study at Harvard University, but the invitation narrows significantly according to your GPA. You probably need a four-point GPA to get in. So while you might say it's open to everyone, not everyone qualifies. It was the very same thing when a rabbi, when a disciple or a Talmud applied to join a rabbi's school. You had to have some very unique qualifications. You might have had to recite the whole book of Leviticus. Try that in your spare time. Uh, you might have had to have very extensive Old Testament background and training and learning, which of course the average person didn't. But Jesus comes along and he says, if anyone, if anyone would come after me, and he uses the word anyone, meaning very broad, very inclusive. And that would have been absolutely validated when people would look at the composition of people that he collected to be his disciples. Peter, a lowly fisherman. In fact, Peter and Andrew and James and John all fishermen from up north, up in Galilee. They spoke with a funny little Galilean accent, eh? They, there was no Harvards in the Galilean region of the country. And then, of course, as they looked at that group, they took special note of Matthew or Levi, the tax collector. Uh, so everyone knew Levi. So Jesus must have been serious with his invitation that anyone can come. Anyone. Well, there's Levi. He got in. All are invited. The invitation is very broad. So when word gets out about a new rabbi who was picking out followers at random, people started to wonder what was going on. They came to hear from this incredible teacher named Jesus. But then they looked at his disciples and they must have been confused. They must have shook their heads and said, uh, these are his students? Uh, they're just nobodies. Those two there used to be fishermen. A few of them are just political hotheads. That guy over there, he's a tax collector. What a band of nobodies. And all these people expect to be leaders, to guide the nation in the ways of God? Oh my. But just maybe there was some positive that came out of this. If you couldn't get into the regular rabbi's group, maybe you could get into Jesus' group. The bar seemed a little lower. What a great message for the world. Everyone, everyone, anybody can come to him. And that's still true. That's the invitation that's wide open today for everyone to come. Jesus didn't put any qualifications on the invitation. You don't have to memorize the book of Leviticus, aren't you glad? You don't have to validate your good intentions by walking through fire. 
or up a thousand steps on your knees. Although every church is faced with the temptation to put some qualifications in place, just like the rabbis. But we kind of like things the way they are. We all know that Pope Benedict has resigned, which caught totally everybody off guard. Popes usually die in office. They don't resign. But now a new pope will be elected. And the world awaits to see what that will really mean. And there are a variety of viewpoints. Some want the church to remain as it is. Some want the church to change, to open up a little bit on some qualifications, on the qualifications of priests, for example, that some would like them to be able to marry. And they'd like the church to renovate their thinking on some of the sorrow, uh, social and moral issues of, of the day. And so people are wondering and speculating these days what will be the position of the new pope? And will he be Canadian? Or will he be from Ghana? Or another country? But here's the struggle. Though we'd never say it, we don't always buy into the idea that the church should just be for anyone. We kind of like church the way it is. We usually prefer things to stay the same. And same soon becomes standard. And pretty soon a standard becomes a qualification. I think Jesus knew how things would go. And I think Luke chapter 9 verse 23 reminds us that there shouldn't be any qualifications. If anyone. In less than 10 years, this church will face a great challenge. There will be 200 young people bouncing through this building because our congregation and our community will have grown up. And we will have to decide how we reach to a community of young people. Can we handle their music, their philosophies, their way of thinking, their approach to changing the world? and their idea of a just society. And like any church, we will be tempted to say, let's keep things the way they are. The danger is that we will miss the great harvest that Jesus is setting before us. And so already begin to pray that God will give this church and many other churches just like us great wisdom as we look down the road. So Jesus does away with the qualifications to follow. He got rid of that long list of prerequisites. He did away with the standard application process. I'm glad for the day in which we live, where we can be a community church and not emphasize a denominational label. And I don't have an ounce of problem with denominationalism. There's some powerful moving of God in our own history. But you can tell that it's not high on the priority list of people today in terms of which flag that we fly. We're all looking for a church where we can learn the teaching of Jesus and the love of God and love one another and make a significant difference in the world. It really is something to say anyone is welcome. 
Because I expect that we have unwritten codes, even here, that we don't realize. Because we've been walking this road for so long. But we want to be able to say, everyone is welcome. Everyone is included. Qualifications? The words of Jesus. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Secondly, an invitation that eliminates the excuses. When Jesus invites anyone to follow him, he doesn't just break down the barriers that keep so many people from learning more about God. He also gets rid of all the excuses that different people were hiding behind. So now the tradesman has no excuse for not following a rabbi. Now the dropout student can, couldn't complain about his past anymore. And now the mother of four couldn't say she never got a chance to learn from a rabbi. Do you have an excuse that you use for not really following Jesus? We had a neighbor on the farm years ago who said he wouldn't give his life to Christ until the very last moment of his life. And then when he was dying, he would say yes to Christ just so he could slip in. He had a lot of excuses. He had a past, I suppose, that influenced him. And he did pass away some years ago. I don't know what he did with Christ's invitation in those very last days. I don't know if it was still on his heart to say yes. Maybe some of us have been holding off on a relationship with Christ because we say, you know, if you got in my shoes, our home is just so busy. It's just crazy. Is it because you've been putting in so many hours at the office and it's just nuts? Is it because you're really focusing on your marriage lately and I don't have time for anything else? Is it because the kids need a lot of time and attention? I'm preoccupied. Is it because times have been tough and you have to get a second job and I can't focus on that? Others say it's because they got a past that they're not proud of. So they got some baggage from the addiction or the divorce or the bankruptcy. And it's been an excuse for a very long time. You know, it's easy to hide behind those kinds of excuses. Because who's going to argue with someone who's been through a tragedy? Or who's been emotionally scarred? But Jesus gets rid of all of the excuses when he invites anyone, anyone. Anyone is welcome to have a relationship with Jesus. Anyone. That's why when I read the story of Matthew, my heart just leaps. Such a great story in Matthew 9. And the story of Zacchaeus is a marvelous story. And the woman who was caught in adultery. And the woman who poured oil on the feet of Jesus. And we could go on and on. One of my favorite stories is uh, told by Philip Yancey in his fine book, What's So Amazing About Grace. And it's the account of a couple who decided to get married. And they went to the Hyatt Hotel in downtown Boston and made arrangements to have their dinner reception there. And when it was all said and done and they looked at the invoice, it came to $13,000. But they said, you only do this once, so let's do it. 
and leaving a check for half that amount as down payment, the couple went home to pick out some invitations. Well, the day, the day the announcements were supposed to hit the mailbox, the potential groom got cold feet. I'm not sure, he said. This is a big commitment. I don't know if we can, I can go through with this. When his angry fiancé returned to the Hyatt to cancel the banquet, the events manager could not have been more understanding. Same thing happened to me, honey, she said. I'm sorry. But about the refund, she had bad news. The contract is binding. You're only entitled to $1,300 back. You have two options, to forfeit the rest of the down payment or go ahead with the banquet. I'm sorry, I really am. It seemed crazy, but the more the jilted bride thought about it, the more she liked going ahead with the party. Not a wedding banquet, mind you, but a big blowout. Ten years before, this same woman had been living in a homeless shelter. She had gotten back on her feet and found a good job and set aside a sizable nest egg. And now she had the wild idea of using her savings to treat the down and outs of Boston to a night on the town. And so it was in June of that year that the Hyatt Hotel in downtown Boston hosted a party such had never been seen before. The hostess changed the menu to boneless chicken in honor of the groom. And she sent out invitations to rescue missions and homeless shelters. And that warm summer night, people who were used to peeling half-gnawed pizza off the cardboard dined instead on chicken cordon bleu. And Hyatt waiters in tuxedos served hors d'oeuvres to senior citizens propped up by crutches and aluminum walkers and bag ladies and vagrants and addicts took a night off from the hard life on the sidewalks outside and instead ate wedding cake to their heart's content. Oh, doesn't that sound like the heart of Jesus? Remember the parable in Luke 14? When people brought their excuses about not coming to the great feast, Jesus said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. Go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. Anyone, everyone is welcome. Sexual past, Anyone. Ex-con. Anyone. Inmate. Anyone. Recently divorced. Anyone. Legalist. Anyone. Alcoholic. Anyone. Addict. Anyone. Hypocrite. Anyone. Now we need to be ready for what can happen when we embrace the invitation to anyone. We'll be forced to deal with our unwritten codes. We'll be forced to get out of our comfort zones and 
rub shoulders with people from different backgrounds and social circles and people who have different music collections and recreational activities than us. People whose wardrobes, wardrobes confuse us or annoy us. People who are hard to tolerate or even harder to love. But followers are willing to break down walls, trash the unwritten codes, and welcome anyone in God's family right alongside of Jesus. But you're saying, you're saying, just a minute, does it mean we set aside biblical truth? Not at all. Not at all. We want to know what God says in His Word. We want to say the things that are the heart of Jesus. We want to extend His grace, but also ensure that we emphasize the rest of the verse, that if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. And that's how Jesus underscored his invitation. And that's his glorious invitation. And if we accept his invitation and his call to discipleship, any church will be a pretty awesome place to be. Amen? Thirdly, the invitation is open. It is a lifelong invitation to discipleship. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. When a Talmud was finally accepted into a rabbi school, they would leave their homes. They would leave their jobs. They would leave whatever was holding them back, and they would go, and they would follow the rabbi. Literally, they would follow the rabbi wherever he went. We all have an open invitation. The invitation is not to be a fan of Jesus, not to be an enthusiastic admirer, but rather a follower, one who is committed to follow in his steps wherever he leads you. Shortly after the Korean War, a Korean woman had an affair with an American soldier, and she got pregnant. He went back to the United States, and uh, she never saw him again. She gave birth to a little girl, and this little girl looked different than other Korean children. She had light-colored curly hair, and in that culture, children of mixed race were ostracized by the community. In fact, many women would kill their children because they just didn't want to face the kind of rejection that they would have to face. But this woman didn't do that. She tried to raise her little girl as best she could. For seven years she tried to do that until the rejection became too much. She did something that probably nobody in this room could ever imagine doing. She, she abandoned her little girl to the streets. And this little girl was ruthlessly taunted by people. They called her the ugliest words in the Korean language. It didn't take very long for this little girl to draw conclusions about herself based on the way people treated her. For two years she lived in the streets until finally she made her way to an orphanage. And one day, while in the orphanage, word came that a couple from America was going to adopt a little boy. All the children in the orphanage got excited, of course, because at least one little boy was going to have hope. He was going to have a family. 
So this little girl spent the day cleaning up the little boys, giving them baths, combing their hair, and wondering which one would be adopted by the American couple. The next day the couple came, and this is what the girl recalled. She said, I saw the man with his huge hands lift up each of these boys, and they were little babies. And she said, I could tell that he loved every one of them as if they were his own. And I saw the tears running down his face. And I knew if he could, that he would have taken the whole lot home with him. And then he saw me out of the corner of his eye. Now let me tell you, I was nine years old, but I didn't even weigh 30 pounds. I was a scrawny thing. I had worms in my body. I had lice in my hair. I had boils all over me. I was full of scars. I was not a pretty sight. But this man came over to me. And he began rattling away in English. And then I looked up at him and I saw that he put his huge hands on my face. What's he saying? They said, he was saying, I want this child. I want this child. This is the child that I want. And that's the invitation of God for every one of us this morning. I want this child here. I want this child here. I want this child over here. I want this child. I want this child here. I, I want this child here. This is the child for me. And that's his invitation. It's a broad invitation. He wants all of us. We bring our excuses, oh, you wouldn't want me. You don't know me. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know what you're, you're inviting. You don't know who I am. We bring our excuses. But let me ask you this morning, what have you done with the invitation? Honestly, what have you done with the invitation? I present it again to you today for your authentic consideration. What have you done with his invitation? And I remind you of the invitation, and I remind you of the cost. The invitation is to all of us, and the cost is this. To deny yourself, to take up your cross daily, and then to follow. I put a prayer on the slide that you'll see. And let me just read it. Maybe, maybe it says something that you're trying to say this morning. Jesus, I accept your invitation with great thanks. I accept your invitation to be your follower. I choose to follow you. I choose to not be a fan, but a follower. I surrender my life to you. I ask for your forgiveness for all my sin. Cleanse my heart. I am sorry for my sin. I repent and choose to go in your way. Come into my life and be my Lord, my master, my leader, and I follow you and give you the best of my life.